Hi, my name is John Peachy, and I'd love to welcome you to this next session of our life series on discipleship. And it's a real privilege to be with you and wherever you are in the world. If you're enjoying this, please like it, um, share it, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, if you'd like to ask a question or comment, uh, please just put that in and we'll try to get back to you and respond. Our topic today is who is the Holy Spirit? And this is a vast topic, and of course this can only be a little bit of an introduction, a taster to who the Holy Spirit is. But I hope that as we do it together, you will have a sense, an awareness of the love, the presence, the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit in your own life. As we begin, will you join me with me in prayer? Father, we thank you that you promised to send your Holy Spirit on all people. And that includes me and you. And we ask now that you'd pour out your presence in our room where we are. And that as we learn more about you, Holy Spirit, you would be our teacher. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. That promise that God has made for all people, all God's people, is that he would pour out his spirit. And of course, if we think about the birth of the church, it was in Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit came down on those 120 people who were gathered together praying in the upper room. And it's a picture that tells us of um, the sound of rushing wind, of the tongues of fire individually being on each of the heads of each of the people to see that, and also that the building was actually shaken. And the disciples went out and began speaking in other languages. And all of the people who had gathered in Jerusalem at the time of the festival could hear the great things being said about who God was and what he was done, but they could hear it each in their own language. And so there's something about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit which brings together that uh, division that happened back in Genesis in uh, chapter 11, uh, where all of the languages were confused. And now, with the coming of the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost, Everyone is hearing the great things of God in their own language. So there is something of the ministry of the Holy Spirit which brings unity, which brings people together. And as Peter then stood up to speak, because people were wondering what is going on, they're hearing these languages, and he has to tell them, these men are not drunk as you think. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And he begins to preach to them of who Jesus is and to call them to repentance. And in that sermon, he quotes from the prophet Joel. Uh, Joel in uh, chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And this is from Acts 2, 17 and 18. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So that promise, which was prophesied by the prophet Joel, is for us, not only in the time that 
Peter was speaking and 3,000 people responded and were saved on that day. But for us right now, where we are, God promises that he will pour out his spirit on all people. And so as we ask who the Holy Spirit is and how we can be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit, we want to look at some of just the simplicity of who the Holy Spirit as a, is as our friend. Of course, um, it doesn't take a PhD, which I got recently, in order to know the Holy Spirit as a friend. And it was really my children when they were very young. I think my daughter was eight years old when she wrote this little song or she made it up. And it was funny because she found it again as she was going through some of her um, things that were up in the attic. And she began to sing it. And we all began to sing it because we had learned, um, yeah, just a little song. And so this is from an eight-year-old. And she wrote, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you are with me, my friend. You are with me, my friend. I'll try to sing it for you. It's very simple. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you are with me, my friend. You are with me, my friend. Try it with me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you are with me, my friend. You are with me, my friend. And that's really the simplicity that God wants to be with us as a friend to us. And he wants us to be his friends. And so from the very beginning in creation, when it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, the Spirit there in the Hebrew is Ruach, the Ruach of God. And it can also be translated the wind of God was over the waters. But even with Adam and Eve in the garden, God is walking with them. And he's made them alive. He's breathed into them. Not only the life of simply biological life, but the life, uh, which biological life it could be pronounced uh, neshama, like the puff of God, but also the life of God's spirit in bringing them to, a lot, to life in order to share fellowship with him. And that friendship or fellowship with the Holy Spirit has been God's desire from the very, very beginning of creation. He didn't want us to be alone, and he created us so that his love could be expressed and received by us that we could enjoy God forever. Of course, that was broken, and it was broken, um, and the scriptures talk about how it's a rupture or even how we become dead in our spirits. And so the Holy Spirit is who makes us come alive to God again and be able to commune with God. Now, God is constantly active and moving by his Holy Spirit all around the world in many different ways. And as we know, the Holy Spirit isn't someone you can see, but you can become aware of his effects, how he's affecting me and you and other people and even the world situation. And so that's sometimes why he might be described by the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. 
And in the same way, I believe that each of us have had some kinds of experience which if we reflect on it and think about it, we may become aware that the Holy Spirit was trying to impact our lives in some way, to touch us, to reach us, uh, to speak to us, to warn us. And those experiences, some people uh, who aren't really so familiar with it might think, oh, I had a weird experience or I had a spiritual experience. I don't really know what it meant. Um, Perhaps if you don't know the Lord yet, even now the Holy Spirit is reaching out to you, calling you, um, showing you some things in your life. Sometimes it's through dreams. Sometimes um, it's through something that's happened, something that you read, something that you watched, and it touched you deeply. Those things can be the Spirit of God impacting your life. And I'd like to ask you this question now, just to reflect for a moment. Have you sensed the Holy Spirit at work in your life. How? How have you sensed the Holy Spirit at work in your life? When I was very young, I gave my life to Jesus, and I was only six years old at the time. And I was watching my cousin, and I saw the changes that had happened in her life, and I heard that she had asked Jesus into her heart. Now, maybe that's not the most biblical terminology to ask Jesus into your heart. And yet, the Holy Spirit does come and lives in our heart when we invite Him to do so. Not just in our hearts, like our physical heart, but in the very center of our being, our our very will and the depth of our being. And as the Holy Spirit lives in us, the life of Christ begins to be formed in us. You could almost imagine it a little bit like an embryo being implanted of the life of Jesus Christ inside our spirits. And the Holy Spirit comes and nurtures and fulfills that life so it grows more and more and more in our own lives. And as that takes place, Christ becomes more and more fully formed in us so that we become more like Jesus. We reflect the character of Jesus more and more. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the works, the things, the deeds that Jesus did, to love people, to forgive people, uh, to have self-control when we get angry, and to realize that the Holy Spirit is teaching us and working in our lives so that the character of God becomes more and more fully formed in us. Now back to that story when I was a six-year-old boy, I said, uh, as my cousin asked me, would you like to become a Christian? Would you like to ask Jesus into your life? And I said, yes, because I had seen the effects of the work of the Holy Spirit in my cousin's life, who was only nine. But uh, as she did that, she said, well, you'll need to come and kneel down by my bed and ask Jesus to come into your heart, and you can pray this prayer after me. And I did that, and I experienced something of the peace of God, the joy of God. I was very happy as a little boy to have my sins forgiven and and to have Jesus in my heart. That was my understanding at the time. But also I realized as I became a bit older and read more, and I wondered sometimes, why is my life not more like the lives that I read about the early disciples in the book of Acts. I'd like my life 
to be more like that. It seems more exciting. I mean, they prayed for sick people and they became well. Um, they spoke out and prophesied about who God was. They seemed to be doing these different things and miracles were happening and they could love people who were um, even their enemies and forgive them. Why isn't my life more like that as a teenager? And I realized that I wanted that. I desired that. And I think even that desire is an evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in my life, giving me that desire as I would read those stories in Scripture. So as that desire was there, I wondered, is there something more? Is this all there is to my Christian life? Sometimes I felt like I was working pretty hard to try to do what was right. Other times I was tempted by other things and knew I wasn't living up. But um, how might the life of Christ and the life that I see in the Bible, in the early disciples, become more my own experience, my own life? And I think the person of the Holy Spirit is a real key for us in this area. Now, on my own DTS, which was a long time ago, but on my own DTS, I was a very young man, and the speaker came on the week of teaching on the Holy Spirit, and he was a prophetic teacher. He had lots of experience of the things of God. I listened to him, and at one point, I was really felt angry because he said something that I did not agree with. And it was something about really that the only sign of the Holy Spirit that would give you assurance that you were filled with the Holy Spirit was that you would speak in tongues. And I was angry because it made me feel like, then do I really know God at all? Am I a Christian? Am I saved? And I remember going out and going for a walk in an apple orchard and just having a real argument with God. And I said things to God like, God, I thought I knew all about you. And now I don't think I know you at all. Or this man tells me that I don't know you at all. Do I have your Holy Spirit or not? And I can't say at that point that I heard God speak to me, but I can say that I realized it's pretty stupid to say something like, God, I thought I knew all about you. <laughs> because God is so much bigger than we can ever know and understand. But we can begin to know him and to understand him, and he desires to reveal himself to us, his children. And the Holy Spirit is very important in that process of revelation. So, Instead of being angry at the speaker and not receiving anything else he was going to say, I decided I do want more of the Holy Spirit. I do want more of these spiritual gifts that he's talking about. And I do agree with him that the Bible says to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. It's quite a strong word there in Corinthians. It's like to lust after. That's a really strong desire. And so I ask God, I want more of the gifts that you want to give me. I don't want to make things up or fake it. I don't want to be a false person. But 
I believe that you want to give me more of your Holy Spirit. That was my understanding at that time. I think now I'd probably say, of course, when we're saved, the Holy Spirit makes our spirits come alive. And I don't know if it's more of the Holy Spirit I'm needing or if it's the Holy Spirit really needs more of me, more of John, um, more freedom, more space to have his way in my life, to teach me, to correct me, to encourage me, to empower me. I want you, Holy Spirit, to have more of me. And as the Holy Spirit has more of me and more of you, then I become more and more fully who God has created me to be, who God has created John to be. I become more fully John even as I become more fully like Jesus Christ. Of course, none of us can fully reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. But each of us together as his body reflect certain things of Jesus in very beautiful ways. And so we become like a multifaceted reflection of who Jesus Christ is, a fitting bride for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the work of the Holy Spirit, one of his uh, things that he does is to prepare us for Jesus and to prepare us by helping us become fully whom God has created us to be, fully human and fully filled with the Spirit of God. Now, there's somewhat of a mystery, really, of understanding the Trinity, and it's hard to talk about, because as we think of God making us in His image, He even says, come, let us make um, Adam in our image. Um, There are hints and glimpses, and we see, as I said, from the very beginning, the Spirit of God involved in creation. And later on in the Gospels, um, Jesus, and, and in the epistles, Jesus is revealed as being there at creation, and the world being created through Him, and by Him, and for Him. And so, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are intimately involved together. And so we say, God the Father is God, and Jesus Christ is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. So, but the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. And yet we don't worship three gods, we worship one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so this understanding of the Trinity, some people argue and say, well, one plus one plus one plus one, did I do three times? One plus one plus one, no, only three, is, does not equal one. And it's true in our own logic, we can't really describe it, but one times one times one does equal one. And so we try with images, we try with words, we try to describe, but we worship the triune God. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want to make their home in us, and they want us to be at home in them, to have fellowship together, 
And it's the Holy Spirit who is bringing us in and welcoming us and convicting us of sin and working and shaping and revealing who Jesus is to us because the Holy Spirit loves to glorify Jesus and reveal who he is. Some of the symbols of the Holy Spirit, which are used in the scriptures, um, could cause us to miss the truth that the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Holy Spirit is a person. He's personal. But some of these images also show us the effects and give us some metaphors, some ways of understanding a little bit with some things that we have in the physical realm of who the Holy Spirit is and how he works. So one of those is wind. I already mentioned the Spirit of God, the wind of God in creation. That's in Genesis 1 verse 2. Another picture can be of a cloud, of the cloud of God's presence descending on the tabernacle or or on the temple. And people fell under the weight of his glory. And the presence of God is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Another picture that's used quite a lot is water, and that can be water as in rain, the rain of the Holy Spirit. Um, Some of the prophets speak of the latter rains coming, and the rain is coming and softening hard soil, and the rain is coming and it's washing clean, the rain of God's presence, the rain of the Holy Spirit. Another picture is rivers, of the rivers of the Spirit. Jesus uses this picture and says, Out of you will flow rivers of living water. And by this he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. And so rivers refer to life and the flow of God's Spirit. Even springs, um, uh, the spring, springing up of the life of the Holy Spirit. And... So these pictures of water are one of the images. Another is of fire, and John the Baptist says, one is coming after me whose um, sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that picture of fire, um, it could be a cleansing fire, a renewing fire. That's one of the images, a fire Uh, that is from the Holy Spirit, that is cleansing, renewing, refining, making all things new again. And so there's a beautiful picture of fire as well. Another picture is one of oil, and we talk about oil coming down, the oil of anointing. Um, The oil of unity is a picture, and it's like, it says the oil on um, Aaron's beard. Um, And that picture of the priest and being anointed with oil and how oil makes things maybe smooth out even where there are tensions and difficulties with people. Oil can uh, bring and be connected with healing and the Holy Spirit's healing power, the Holy Spirit's ability to uh, bring unity. And another picture, of course, is the picture that we've used already of the dove. And the dove Uh, carries the promises of God. We know that at Jesus' baptism, um, the voice spoke from heaven, this is my beloved son. And then the dove came and rested upon him, the dove of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus there is being baptized, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity all in one place. And the dove reflects something of the gentleness 
of the Holy Spirit, perhaps the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, and also the dove in the first century, at the time that the Gospels were written, was actually kind of like a household pet. It was welcomed into the home uh, to live there, to be there. And so that also may reflect something of the Holy Spirit well, being welcomed into our homes, into our lives, into our everyday lives. But the picture of the dove isn't the only picture, as I told you some of those other signs and symbols, Uh, Sometimes the Holy Spirit is very gentle, very soft. He just comes and whispers something to us. He comes and nudge. We feel something. And it's possible for us to just ignore that. Sometimes when we're feeling tempted, the Holy Spirit brings a moment of grace just to be aware, oh, maybe this isn't so good. And sometimes we ignore that prompting from the Holy Spirit. And we say, I don't care. I want this. I'm going to do it anyways. And yet the Holy Spirit wants to be gentle with us, but he also is powerful and and forceful. It says, and that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus, after his baptism, drove Jesus into the wilderness. So that wonderful time of affirmation, of identity, this is my beloved son, actually resulted in a time of fasting, of temptation, of being out in the desert wilderness, of encountering Satan and those uh, different temptations, and the Holy Spirit um, strengthening Jesus. And then, as Jesus completed that period of testing in the wilderness, in the desert, it says, and he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ himself Although he is God, he still lives his life here on earth filled with the Holy Spirit and needing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And his ministry, which began in power as he went out and did miracles, signs and wonders, healed, everybody was hearing about it from all around. I believe he was constantly in tune with the Father by the Holy Spirit, filling him, dwelling him, within him, and being sensitive to the Spirit of God. And Jesus was giving us an example of how we too can be filled with the Holy Spirit and how we need Holy Spirit. We know that later on, when he was about to be crucified, he said that he would um, send the Holy Spirit, promise the Holy Spirit. And he actually said, it's better for you that I go. Now, how could it be better that, that he would go? And in order to understand who the Holy Spirit is, we need to look at a few different things about who he is. I've already mentioned Holy Spirit, and sometimes I drop the, because he is a person. He is God. He is eternal and holy, and he is a person. Um, He's not an it or an impersonal force. He is a person who speaks, thinks, leads, and prays for us. So as the Holy Spirit does these things, um, we need to understand that we need to relate to him personally. He also has emotions as a person. You might not have thought about the emotions of the Holy Spirit, but we can grieve him. We can make him feel sad. We can make him feel sorry. Uh, We can also, I believe, cause him to feel joyful. When Jesus saw what the disciples were doing, it says he, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. There's great rejoicing and joy. 
And so the Holy Spirit does have emotions. They're not like our emotions at times, which are inconsistent and all over the place. They're completely um, led, we say led by the Spirit, but the Spirit is completely um, aware of his emotions and able to be completely consistent in his emotions. The Holy Spirit also has desires and will. Um, And we know in the book of Acts, at one point it said, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads. um, The Holy Spirit guides. And one of the reasons that Jesus said, it's better for you that I go, is that Jesus, as incarnated in his body, could really only be one place at one time to be with us. But the Holy Spirit is able to be everywhere, to be able to be present everywhere with us. And that's one of the reasons it's better for us that the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and the Holy Spirit came on that day of Pentecost. The church was birthed in a new way. Of course, the Holy Spirit um, would come in the Old Testament, and I've read all of the scriptures about the Spirit, but more often it would be the Spirit was coming and going. Um, Whereas after the new promise, the New Testament, the new covenant, the Holy Spirit is come and dwells with his people in a covenant relationship. That's been God's promise all along that we would come alive and the Holy Spirit would dwell with us, making us alive, that the law of God would be written on our hearts and our minds. And it's the Holy Spirit and his presence who teaches us. The Holy Spirit knows and reveals God's thoughts to us. And there are scriptures that you can see there. But he also teaches and reminds us. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Jesus said, he will remind you of the things I've taught you. But not only remind us of the things Jesus had taught his disciples, but also he will teach us. And he takes from searching the mind of God and he brings revelation to us. And he brings the scriptures alive to us. And we can see and read and understand only in part, but he continues to reveal more and more to us of who God is so that we can also make God known. So I've been telling you about some of the things of who the Holy Spirit is, but what really is the character of the Holy Spirit like? How would you describe the Holy Spirit? Well, one thing I can say is that the character of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is completely consistent, consistent with one another. So we know what God's character is like as he has revealed himself and his interactions, who he is, his names. He's revealed himself through scripture and he's revealed himself to his people. We also know most fully what the character of God is like when we look at Jesus Christ because he is the fullest representation of who God is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And we can also say, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen and had revealed the character of the Holy Spirit. The character of God, 
Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are completely consistent. The character of the Holy Spirit is revealed in the fruit of the Spirit. And those fruit, which we probably know well, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I grew up in a strong Bible-believing church, really valued the Word of God, studying the Scriptures. And at one point, really, the teaching about the Holy Spirit was especially about the fruit of the Spirit. And I didn't know all that much when I was young about the gifts of the Spirit. And sometimes more later in my life, my life in YWAM, probably I've had more teaching, much more teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there are many gifts. There are nine that uh, we can see here, and some of those are considered to be more supernatural gifts. But there are other gifts, even gifts of administration and uh, gifts of leadership, more general gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to his people. But in this first session, I want to take us back to the fruit of the Holy Spirit and remind us that this is the character of the Holy Spirit. It's the character of God. And love, that word agape, um, really is about the ability to do what is best for another person, even if it means a sacrifice on my own part. It's a self-giving love. It's a love that gives freely without really asking anything in return. It's a God kind of love. And that love um, is modeled in the life of Christ who gave himself for us. And so that really is the first fruit of the Holy Spirit. Many of these other fruits fill in and fulfill what love really truly is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love as agape is like the covering overall, and the Holy Spirit wants to build that kind of God love into our lives. How does it grow? It grows through receiving God's love ourselves and knowing that we haven't deserved it. Um, We could expect nothing from God while we were still his enemies Christ gave himself for us. God sent his son for us. And that revelation is brought by the Holy Spirit. And as we respond and repent of our sins and believe in Jesus Christ, we are saved. And we also say with our mouths um, and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Holy Spirit begins his work by beginning to straighten out uh, the ways that our own lives, our own character has been damaged and marred and twisted and crooked. The Holy Spirit and begins to restore through pouring out the love of God in our hearts, pouring out love through other people too. And as he does that, he begins us to teach us to love and the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our inner lives grows but it also becomes expressed in the way that we serve, in the way that we react to others. Love grows in our lives. It's a fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy, 
um, which is another fruit of the Holy Spirit, or kara, it's independent of outward circumstances. So I'm not just joyful because things are going well for me, I've had a good thing happen. It's a joy that comes from within. It springs up from the Holy Spirit. And it's a cheerfulness. There's a delight. There's a freedom. I, I think of how when you watch a child playing and just really enjoying, I think it speaks to me something of the joy and delight of the fruit of the Spirit that God wants to build more and more in my life. Another fruit is peace, erine. And peace is more than just the absence of conflict. I think, although it's a Greek word here, I think it's drawing on the Hebrew understanding of shalom. Peace where uh, things are in right relationship with one another. And the peace of God which passes all understanding. It's because we're joined with God, we're completely secure, we can trust and, and be safe in God's presence. It's um, a wonderful thing that brings us security, and we can also be at peace with one another. Patience is another fruit, makrothuma, and it applies especially to our dealings with people. God shows us patience. He's forbearing. He's slow to anger. He's loving. We don't explode with anger and emotions. Um, uh, Tom Wright, N.T. Wright, um, used to say that uh, the fruit of the Spirit can be quite easily faked by young people who are successful and uh, things are going well, who are beautiful and everything's going well in life. Many of the fruit of the Holy Spirit can be faked for a while. But some things are difficult to fake. I think patience is one of those, but Tom also said especially self-control. It's pretty hard to fake self-control, which is that last fruit of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we can act joyful, we can act happy, we can act in, in kind ways. Kindness actually has to do with deeds of kindness, doing kind things for others. Um, another one there is goodness. Goodness um, really is a, a clear, clean-cut honesty. It's a state of conduct of being good, kind and strong. It, it can rebuke, it can correct, but it's, it's just really good. Faithfulness, um, pistis, we think of the faithfulness of God, the, um, the long-suffering trustworthiness of God. He's completely faithful. And as the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, we can become faithful. Whereas maybe before we were a bit uh, flaky one way, this way, or disloyal at times, the Holy Spirit brings faithfulness into our lives. Another quality of the Holy Spirit is gentleness. And this meekness or being submissive, teachable, not too proud, um, it can be also like strength brought under control. Even if someone rejects you or mistreats you in some way, you still respond with a gentleness because of your security in God. And that self-control, which I mentioned already, is really the ability to... Um, not just do something just because we want to or because we want it or because it's attractive or I feel like it, but to be under self-control is to have that mastery of, of self which comes by the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to be guided and led by the Holy Spirit in how we react and how we do that. Um, 
I'm not going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit during this session, but just to say that when I asked for more of the Holy Spirit and I encountered God, um, it was in my own time of spending time alone with God, suddenly I began to hear God's voice more clearly. I began to receive words of wisdom, um, words which I couldn't have known, but they were revelation that God was bringing me. I began to be able to speak in ways which prophetically um, encouraged others, and many things began to happen in my life which were also the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's I still don't know quite how to describe it because I know that when I was saved, the Holy Spirit is present in my life. Some people describe it a bit as a second experience or some people like, you know, in a a boiler, there's a little pilot light, it's burning, you know, it hasn't gone out. But when you turn on the gas and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe the whole thing goes whoosh and suddenly there's a lot more power, there's a lot more heat, there's a lot more things happening. I don't know if those are the best explanations. I do know that for every believer, it is a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I do know that even today, as I've been walking with the Lord these many years, I want to be more and more filled with the Holy Spirit. I desire it more and more. I want um, more and more of me to be um, led, controlled, filled by the Spirit of God by His Holy Spirit. And I hope that that desire is growing in you too. And this is an opportunity as you listen to ask the Lord for more of His Spirit to have more of you. And the Spirit is the same as the character of Christ, the power of Christ, the authority of Christ. The Holy Spirit brings these things. But Jesus teaches us that we're to be persistent in our asking and we're to be active in making our requests to God. The scripture says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Your fathers, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? from Luke 11, 9-13. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the Holy Spirit. The Father wants to give the Holy Spirit. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? But we need to be persistent to actively make those requests in expectant faith and then to trust in God's goodness to give us the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe that that trust is just a, oh, there will be no evidence, there will be no effects of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, when He's active in our lives, there is an effect. Therefore, there is experience of the Holy Spirit. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God in Romans 8. And the Spirit 
does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. But the Spirit, by the Spirit, we've received adoption. And by Him we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, co-heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. That's from Romans 8, 15, and 16. So to be an heir is to inherit what God has promised to Jesus Christ. And as the children of God, we share in that inheritance all of the wonderful gifts, all of the wonderful qualities that Jesus Christ has, we share because of the Holy Spirit coming alive in our lives. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us the spirit of adoption to cry, Daddy, Father, we belong. The Father welcomes us on His lap. He holds us. He comforts us. Uh, He lavishes His love on us, it says in um, the letters of John. He lavishes His love on us, His children. But there are some hindrances to receiving the Holy Spirit. And Um, You might think of that. Sometimes we just don't know about the Holy Spirit. Even in Acts 19, Paul said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And the disciples who were there in Ephesus, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Maybe you've heard a little bit, but you don't know much about the Holy Spirit. And so learn more. Search the scriptures. Um, Read through, especially Luke and Acts talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul's letters talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Sometimes there's unforgiveness. This can be a real hindrance. If we have not forgiven someone, then it says, Father in heaven will not forgive us. So unforgiveness can be a barrier. Another one could be pride. And pride is, we don't really feel like we need anything more. I've got enough. We don't have a desire or recognize our need. That doesn't make space or room for the Holy Spirit. Another hindrance can be doubt. Now, I think all of us have doubts at times. Even I, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I was like, Lord, am I making this up? Is this really you? Uh, Please don't let me be faking this. Uh, Don't let me be um, confused by the enemy. So we can have doubts. But when we just persist in doubt and say, well, no, it can become unbelief. We aren't going to receive the Holy Spirit if we're full of unbelief. Another area is fear, and sometimes when I've done this teaching, um, some people literally run out of the room because they're afraid of what would happen. And I'm kind of thinking, but if the character of the Holy Spirit is the character of Jesus Christ, why would you run away? Why would you be afraid of that? Maybe you're afraid because the Holy Spirit will bring changes in your life. He will do that for sure. Uh, But those are changes for good because God is good and God gives good gifts and the Holy Spirit is the most wonderful gift to give. So don't be afraid. Recognize your fear, but still ask for the Holy Spirit. Still move towards the Holy Spirit. Another hindrance can be that we just feel inadequate. Um, I don't deserve it. I'm not worth it. Why would God pay attention to me? But the promise is for all God's people. It's not for important people or just some big leaders or speakers. It's for all God's people. And the Holy Spirit gives gifts. The Holy Spirit wants us to be 
friends with him and to be our friend. That doesn't matter if you're a little child, if you're a very old person, if you're a middle-aged person, if you're a teenager, if you're somebody who's been struggling with sin and temptation and addiction. The Holy Spirit desires to come and live in you. These can be hindrances, but they're not hindrances if you confess your sin, if you confess them to the Lord and recognize, even though you may feel inadequate, you're not inadequate to God because it's not about your power or your abilities or your cleverness. It's not about your beauty or that you're perfect. No, it's about the Spirit of God and by His power, by His strength, He accomplishes and does a wonderful work in our lives and through our lives. So you might ask yourself this question as you just heard about and saw those areas of hindrance. What areas in your life might be hindering Holy Spirit from filling you right now? And I'd like us just to take a moment and to pray. And um, as we consider this, How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit fills us individually, but he also fills us as his people together. And will you pray with me right now and just pray through some of these steps and we'll ask again that the Holy Spirit, and we'll keep on asking, and I'd ask you to keep on desiring and requesting that the Holy Spirit would have more of you. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to show us any barriers, any hindrances to being filled with your Holy Spirit right now. And Lord, we repent of those sins. and Just name those sins, whatever they are that have come to your mind. And agree with the Lord that you want to turn from them. You want to turn towards him. And we confess those sins. It says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, I know that sometimes my desire for your Holy Spirit has been low because I'm distracted by other things. But you are the most precious gift, Holy Spirit, promised by Jesus Christ. And I ask you to forgive me for when my desire has been low, when I live more by my emotions than by the truth and reality of who you are. And let's ask the Father now to fill us with his Holy Spirit. It's very simple. We just ask. And he promises, as Jesus said, to fill us. So, Father, we ask you now, will you fill us? Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we give you more of who we are. We ask you to fill us in ways that we would be filled with love, that we would be filled with joy, that we would be filled with peace. And maybe you can just 
where you are right now, begin to praise God. Father, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I haven't deserved it, but you've filled me with your Holy Spirit and you've given me a calling. You've given me life. You've given me connection with you that I will be with you forever. I praise you because you've given me purpose and significance and things to do together with you. I thank you because you've loved me even though I haven't deserved it and you pour out your love again and again on me. I praise you, Father. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling me afresh right now today. And Lord, I believe that what you give me, your gifts are good. And I receive those. I exult in the wonderful, wonderful goodness that you have given. And I praise you, Holy Spirit. Now, let me just urge you in your prayer, don't give up. Jesus says, keep on asking. Persevere. Use your gift that he gives you. Um, If you use it, God will continue to give you more. And you might discover more gifts. So keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we're filled more and more, God will work in us to shape us, to form us, to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And as we do that, He will build the unity of the body in all of our diversity. We don't lose our personalities. We don't lose the different gifts but we are able to together work together and share them. So in closing, can I just remind you again, if this has impacted you in some way, you've liked it, please do like it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. Watch the other sessions that there are in the Life Series. Share it with other people. Ask them to join in. You're free to ask questions or comment as well. And I'd like to to just close with this prayer, which is prayed by many Christians around the world. It's a very simple one. It comes from Scripture, from 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Will you pray it with me now? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.